up, everyone? Welcome back. Today is episode four, and today we have a very, very special guest. Now, this guy is really interesting because every time when I drive on LDP uh, and all the other highways, uh, I will see him. And then when I go Watson, also I see him, but he's never seen me in real life before. So today I finally get to meet him real life, and he is Ginny Boy. Hi, Hi everybody. Yeah, <laughs> this is the first time we're meeting. It's so interesting, right? It's like the first time I met you is like we I slid into your DMs like, hey man. Want to go for a drink? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We did, a we, yeah, we, did a, we did a podcast together because like, uh, I think I stumbled across your videos when you were doing investments. Uh, how do you get rich in 24 hours? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. But yeah, it's so good. It's so good to see you. Uh, it's so good to meet you. It's so good to... I mean, thank you so much for having me on your fourth episode. As a Chinese, I'm a bit upset because you know four is say. <laughs> You could have named this Hello, episode. We, you could we, have named this episode three A. Uh, we we move this to move this to episode eight. <laughs> <laughs> happy enough, happy enough. Okay, I'm great. I'm happy. But yeah, thanks, dude. Thanks for having me. All right. So I have to say, right? Actually, when when you slide into my DM, not asking me for a drink, but yeah. asking me to do a podcast with you, yeah, I was actually pretty happy, you know. Oh really? Yeah. Because oh, because for those of you who are actually in, involved in content creation, right? Uh, if you actually have a full-time business in this, uh, getting Genie Boy to actually talk to you, uh, it is like an achievement, I would say. Huh? Yeah, because Genie Boy is a b****, <laughs> you know. Every time uh, you ask him to be on your show, right, he's like, mm, to see first, uh, you know, I'll pretend to be a superstar. Then, like, you know, wait for six months to reply your message. And it's like, uh, okay, I've drawn my enough for that. I'll be on your show. So, so I'm I'm the privileged one. Uh. No, I'm kidding, lah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, lah. It's like, uh, I, I, I think, uh, to be honest, like, uh, I've never ever been on I hardly go on people's shows because uh number one I don't get invited um I think <laughs> yeah really really I'm sure you don't get invited I yeah I okay I mean yes I have I have been asked to do a lot of shows or interviews and stuff like that I think I tend to try to do as much as I can but I tend to be quite picky as well uh not because of what I do or or whatever but for me it's like I have a lot of things that sometimes my mind kind of thinks over and over like what I need to focus on and sometimes I don't reply and sometimes I get a little bit like, you know, distracted because I'm always constantly at that point, at one point in time trying to think of like, oh, what can I do next? What can I do next? Trying to run a business and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, coming from a person that doesn't have any knowledge of running a business, it was a bit stressful. So, yeah. Mm, we're going to definitely talk more about that, right? Yeah. But just for the sake of the audience, I bet some of them actually only see you on TVs, you know, on billboards. Nobody right? knows who I am, yeah. so yeah, I should Come introduce on, myself. Come on, don't be too humble, No, man. serious, serious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would like to know one thing, right? Yeah, how long have you been in the media or content business? I've been in the entertainment industry since I was. Oh, let me think. I since I was twenty three years old. I am thirty eight now. Uh, Fifteen years. I've been years. yeah, I've been in the entertainment industry for about fifteen years, mm -hmm. but I think like um, the majority of the people that kind of know me uh, probably knew me after I started YouTube. Before that, I was doing radio. Yeah, but, yeah, nobody, I but nobody listens to hits. You know what I that, mean? That was when actually I get to know Genie. Oh Bob. really? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. That's okay. that's why I say that I'm actually quite quite happy. Uh -huh. In fact, quite proud when you actually slide to the email asking me to join you for oh, a really? podcast, right? I was like. <laughs> Wow, this guy have been watching him, uh, oh, since like school days, you know. Oh man! Because <laughs> <laughs> when I listen to hits of him, there's this genie boy, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. So, uh, but that time we, I don't know how you look like yet, lah. Right? Yeah. Because yeah, like they always say that, oh, uh, when you listen to me on radio, there's this joke that they always say that, oh, you know what? You've got a face for radio. It means like you're damn ugly. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
But, but I mean, like, contrary to that belief, everybody on Hits was actually very handsome and very pretty. Yeah. I have to agree. I have to, today, your face is everywhere on the billboards. Right? So. Oh, man. Uh. <laughs> you get the less Photoshop <laughs> version right now on, on, on Mr. Money TV. Yeah. I'm sorry. And I remember those days was the Hits crew, right? Yeah, cool. yeah. Then y'all would drive to schools and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So, uh, and the campus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I, I remember during those days that, uh, that I would see the... The the first time I see your face was because one of those trucks has a face there. Oh right. right. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Then after that I start seeing you on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And so actually, um, just to talk a little bit, right, about this part, from how was the journey like? Because we all know you like right now. You're that famous guy, that popular guy, you know, one of the you know, that content creator that's on Malaysia YouTube scene, one of the biggest mm-hmm. YouTubers in the mm-hmm. market, right? No. But how was it like from a transition from DJ to film? Yeah. What happened? Uh, oh, that was... Uh, actually, to be honest, I didn't know what was going on because uh, I think like when I was growing up, I, I loved uh, editing videos. And um, when I... Okay, look, I, I couldn't afford a computer at one point in time. So it, I remember my first computer was a, uh, was a PC, which like the monitor is like super fat, you know? Uh, there was a PC that a cyber cafe was getting rid of because they were bringing in new computers and they were selling off their PCs for cheap. So my brother bought it for me when I was in Form 5. And I was like, whoa, ICQ, MSN and all these things. You know what I mean? It was so cool at that point in time. But then uh, I, I got to uh, downloading all these weird software, video maker. And, win- and last time there was this software called Windows Movie Maker, which was like really, really like olden day software. You guys don't probably know it, yeah, but- Many of them probably even don't know what ICQ is. Yeah, they probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I seek you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but um, I think like at that point of time, Linkin Park was big. Uh, I kind of watched a little bit. I'm not a big anime fan, but I loved- uh, Taking anime uh, action scenes and and editing it into uh, Linkin Park songs just for fun, uh, and I edited it to the beat of the music and, and whatever not, and then share it with friends. So that was the I think the kind of start of my sort of video making uh, or creating or whatever not, because uh, you know I liked to I like I like to edit videos and stuff like that. Then um, I think uh, when I was studying, I was studying uh, marketing and PR. Uh, and at the same time, that's when I kind of discovered YouTube and I started watching a lot of uh, YouTubers. Uh, one of them was Wong Fu. That's straight up, it's Wong Fu. Yeah, Wong yeah. Fu. Wong I Fu, remember. Yeah, Wong Fu uh, were the ones who were making waves like in the world. I, I, Asian Americans, for some reason, were really huge on YouTube and it was nice because like you were, we were looking at some Asian Chinese fellow or uh, Asians, uh, you know, um, that was actually like having big view numbers on their portfolio. You know what I mean? Because normally people will always think that, oh, Hollywood's best. You know, Malaysians at one point in time will think that the West is best mentality. Everything is Hollywood. Yep. They won't really want to watch anything local or listen to anything local. So, you know, watching watching all these uh, YouTubers was very refreshing. So for me, it was like, okay, cool. I, I just watched them. And and, uh, and, and Wong Fu always placed uh, their behind the scenes. Um, uh, and they showed pictures and what they what they what they use or how they filmed, and I was always very interested. But but when I started googling, uh, back back then I was no Google's Yahoo. <laughs> that's how back. That's how far back it was. Uh, where we there was before YouTube got acquired by Google. You know, you used to search all these type of things, and you see that the camcorder that they're using that you can buy for four hundred ringgit now. But back then it was like a thousand to a thousand ringgit. Yeah, yeah, I remember those days. Man. Yeah, those camcorders with tapes and everything, and then after that you can attach. Uh, 
you can attach like an adapter to put a camera lens on it and they whoa it looks so cool and then you know i got i just got very intrigued and then um when i came back i, I still made videos I remember like uh, the first video or one of the first few videos I made and I put it, uh, put it up on YouTube was how I hacked my PlayStation Portable to, you know, PSP, like when you turn it on, it's a PS logo, right? So I hacked it so that it shows an Xbox logo. So I was like, whoa, it's so cool. It got like 30,000 views, like, wow, you know what I mean? And uh, I think like uh, I, got, I got a job on Astro, uh, in Astro uh, as a marketing exec. I wasn't doing radio yet. And uh, from there, I met, uh, you know, Smash Pop, yeah, Jason Go, and he introduced me to the world of DSLR photography, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's that's insane! That's how pictures are like subject sharp background blur, that kind of thing." So I knew I saw the camera that he was using. He was using a Sony Alpha at that point in time, and I was like, "Oh, I want a Sony Alpha." So I saved up money and I bought like a, a, a like a Sony Alpha 100, which was a second-hand market. Uh, I got it for like what, maybe two thousand ringgit, and I got like a six hundred dollar lens, a fifty mm, and I started shooting pictures, and I did um. I did a lot of uh, photography. I did like I even tried to mix like side side. I, I did the side hustle. I tried to do wedding photography. Uh, I tried to do like event photography to earn money. Like for, pay me four hundred bucks. I take pictures of you. You know what I mean? And uh, from there, uh, when th it, everything changed, when Nikon uh, announced the D three hundred S, which allowed you to film video, it's nowhere close to what we have now. But it's just like you can shoot video. You cannot you cannot adjust the shutter speed. You cannot everything. Everything's automatic. But the fact that you can have your subject being sharp and the background being blur is like, wow, movie, you know what I mean? So I got that and I started making like funny films. Um, then I started doing like my friend's pre-wedding uh, videos just for fun. I mean, it's nothing like what you see, like how those people like, wow, come down, like slow motion, whatever not. This one is just literally capturing like, if, like if moments and re-editing, editing them to music. And then... Uh, and in the process, I was actually already working for radio. And uh, I think like uh, I kind of saw, you know, uh, again, it, I, 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 I'm a very big fan of Wong Fu. I saw what they did. And then one day I was like, hey, man, I, I kind of want to try and make a film. So I, I wrote a film. Uh, it's called Ah Wing, Malaysia's number one salesman. And then I uh, decided to film it. And then it was like a, supposed to be a one-off project. And I, I uploaded it on... Uh, on YouTube and 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 all of a sudden like oh first day five thousand views okay whoa that's 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 a lot of views it's like <laughs> whoa you know and then after that I was like okay cool I I kind of like hit my milestone and after that, I woke up the next morning I was like oh fifty thousand views I was like oh okay <laughs> yeah and then after that like you know the first week half a million views I was like oh okay then you know all of a sudden like all right man I'm making money I'm a YouTuber now you know like you know we're all the sponsors we're all the cash like flowing in I think it was complete silence. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's how that's how I, I I didn't jump to YouTube straight away. I think I was still for uh, with radio for a while. They moved me up uh, to the morning show, and uh, I think I worked for the morning show for about two and a half years, almost yeah. three. And I decided that the morning show wasn't for me. Uh, and I said that okay, since my YouTube channel was kind of like growing, I was like okay, uh, yeah, they were they were already some brand deals that I was doing, not great, but I felt that you know if. I could, if I left radio, I could kind of maybe focus into YouTube and maybe make it into a business or something like that. So it's just more of like a leap of faith. And then, you know, when I left, I never looked back and I am where I am here now because of like, you know, the journey <laughs> that I've been doing for the past like 10 years. And I think one thing that, as you share this, I, I still recall when your that particular video went viral. Yeah. It was the first time that you see something Malaysian where going viral, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was something very new. 
Yes. Because uh, I remember watching that video. Although I can't really remember the content, but when he said, ah, wing the best sales, yes. like, oh yeah, yeah, it strikes a chord, right? Yeah. Because during those days, it was like, what well, the first Malaysian who actually <laughs> achieved virality. Yeah. And at that time, we won't even use the word viral because yeah. that word wasn't even existing yet. Viral means you're yeah. sick. <laughs> <laughs> no. That, but I... I recall at the point, right, because I was still young, I was still schooling, mm-hmm. right, still in my university days. I tend to have this idea at the point where I look at it and like, wow, the guy is so lucky, you know, that one video. Yeah. But now as you share this, then it makes me realize that there were a lot of effort that were being made prior to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot. And your journey in video was not that day when you just made that video, but no. years before that. Yeah, it, it took that. me seven years to get uh, 100,000 views. But the hundred th- my first 100,000 views wasn't, Awing Malaysia's number one salesman. It was a it was a vlog that I I did uh, when Justin Bieber came to Malaysia. So I I remember I told you I had that Nikon D three hundred S. I could shoot um, videos and you know, everything. So I t- I took it along with me and I decided to document the whole entire concert. And Justin Bieber freaking tweeted my video and um and I was like whoa <laughs> like six hundred thousand in like like in like less than twenty four hours and my inbox crashed. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, cool, that's cool. Uh, I mean, I felt I felt happy because, like, for once, uh, you know, this, your 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 heart would kind of paid off, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, but you know, the effort wasn't really the 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 reason of the virality of the video wasn't really my effort. It was Justin Bieber because you know it, it's him, it's his famous and stuff like that. Then ever since then, uh, I started doing a lot of uh, interview videos. So when I used to work in radio, I used to interview a lot of celebrities, but we only did phone interviews, yep. but over the phone call. And even if we get to interview the celebrities one-to-one in person, we would just bring a tape recorder or like a digital tape recorder, and that's it. And we'll put it on the desk over there, and you know, we'll ask you questions, record it, bring it back, play it on radio. So for me, it was like, Hey, you know, I, I'm I'm already there with the celebrity, right? Like Lady Gaga or like John Legend. Can I just put a camera, you know, in front there and just record while we're talking? And like when I when I asked that every time I went for an interview, everybody was just a bit like, oh, I've never they have never gotten such a request before. Like they're like, oh, uh, okay, <laughs> yeah. So that's how it started, and I then I enjoyed apart from editing um like uh videos into music, I enjoyed uh editing multi-cam interview videos. Like, you know, when you had two cameras, one on the interviewer, one on me, and then one wide shot. And then after I had three angles to play with, I was like, That's whoa, right. I'm God, God, this is God mode. <laughs> yeah, seriously, to me, that was, I was God, you know, like, wow, I give you three angles, you know? I give you the three-dimensional experience, not only on radio, but also on YouTube. Then, yeah, that's that's how it started. And then uh, Hitch took that and started a team to, uh, to go out with all of the announcers to to uh, record all of their interviews, and then I was not allowed to kind of touch that section anymore right. because because it became their business model. Oh. Yeah, so they were selling advertorial spots to their clients and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, cool, and that's why I decided to make short films. Right, right. Yeah. So that was why you started making short films. Yeah. So, but with all these skills accumulated, then it helped you to actually achieve something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, of course. <coughs> I mean, like, uh, hits gave me a lot of exposure. That's for sure. Um, because, like, you know, I, 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 like, if I would have released like my first YouTube video, a short film, I mean, like, of course, hits has given me that exposure. Cause so people kind of know who I was. But like, you know, so like if I were to basically tweet it out, people would be like, okay, there at least 10 people or 100 people will watch that mm. film. Mm. But the fact that uh, it kind of opened my eyes when that video went viral and I realized that there were a lot of people who did not know who the heck I was. <laughs> you know, you know when, you, when you work for a company that markets himself as the number one station in the country, you know, you're always like, oh, 
crowd. I'm working, you know, people know me because like I'm number one, you know. And then like uh, YouTube opened like a whole different door and uh, it gave me a very different kind of attention that like I would never ever kind of expect to get, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, you get people come leaving letters in your front, in your post box, or coming up to you and say, "I like leaving your work. letters in your post box." Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the emails coming in uh, saying that they love your work. The emails coming in saying that you're a Chinese, you suck, go back to your home country. Uh, <laughs> Even that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and then you know, I start making fun of Chinese people. It's like, hey, uh, then then one email came in. Hey, you Singaporeans, don't make fun of us Malaysians. Go to hell, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So you know, a lot. Of, it, it was a lot of mixture of good, bad, and weird. You know. So for me, it's like, oh, cool. You know, that's 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 cool. You know. But where's the money? You know, <laughs> like <'cause>, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like thinking like YouTubers around the world at that point of time. They looked like they were making a lot of money. They had big houses, nice cars, and stuff. Down for me, it was like. Uh, Google wasn't monetizing their videos in Malaysia. They, they were ads, but the monetization does not come to you. It goes back to Google. That's right. Yeah, that time don't have the Google partners no, yet, right? No. Yeah, Google yeah. partners was a big thing for YouTubers at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. I still remember that time it was still very early. So basically, yeah, it's just more like a hobby kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then you're still going to look for sponsorship. You're going to be able to involve in sales and so on. Yes. Now, but before going to the business side of things, right? I just want to get to know you a little bit even more as a person, right? Now, from from in the past, someone who, you know, just another guy, and then today as who you are, you're like the famous guy, mm-hmm. right? What is the difference between the genie boy last time, before people know him, and the genie boy today? Um, I think like uh, the genie boy back then, like wanted a lot of things and uh, there were a lot of expectations to think uh, like, you know, there are a lot of expectations thinking that, oh, the entertainment industry is like this. Uh, thinking that like you just need one big break and then you'll be set for life. A Jitty Boy today will tell you that, you know, if you want to be in the entertainment business, if you want to make this a career, that's a lot more than just thinking that popularity sells. Because yeah, popularity will get you somewhere, but if you don't have like a team behind you or you don't have that mindset of how to monetize your your current position or your your uh, your skill set or your current popularity, then you know, you won't make money. It's like a lot of people tend to think that just because you have the numbers to back up your popularity, you're going to be rich and famous and stuff like that. It's not always like that. I'm not saying that I'm super rich and I'm super famous right now, but like, you know, a lot of people tend to uh, overlook a lot of things when it comes to like the, the lifestyle of the, all the, the, the culture of the famous people that they see on YouTube. They always believe that, oh, you know, the minute you have numbers to validate your popularity, you know, it's it's you're sorted. It's not it's not like that. <laughs> totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Being in this business right now, yeah, totally agree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because people tend to think that the minute you have like, everybody thinks that you you're you're gonna be like sigh. Oh, you got a video that's like like uh like a million to two million views. You're set for love. You're just like Gangnam Style. You don't realize that that Sai had like, uh, like 30, 40, 50, 60 people in his management trying to sell them everywhere, you know? So yeah, I mean, how I, how I am back then and how I am now is very different. I think right now I'm very, uh, I don't think I, I do a lot more entertainment. I don't, I don't think I entertain a lot more. I think right now I'm very much more um, business side, back end. I still love to create, but I believe that the younger generation create better. So it's like for me is I like to be a part of that creation process, a uh, creating process. And I see the younger fellas do take my idea and make it better. And for me, it's like, it's quite fulfilling. 
Right, right. And um, I remember watching one particular interview about you some time back, and you you mentioned also that when you were younger, actually you got bullied. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> and so I I I just can't. I'm just trying to grab my head around. Now you're a guy who's like full of confidence. The way you talk, everything all great, fantastic, and. I can't reconcile the fact that back then you were bullied. So how, how was it like back then? Like, um, can you tell us more? How were you bullied and like what happened to you actually that, during that time? Um, I think like growing up, uh, so a lot of people tend to always think that just because I have some sort of like platform like hits to speak to people or just because I have like a huge following uh, on YouTube, they expect me automatically to be confident. I think uh, people tend to always want to assume that you're a celebrity, you're a public figure, you should be what I expect you to be. I don't think that they realize that we're actually all human. So uh, I think I grew up in a household that was very outgoing. So performing wasn't really that tough for me. My family, cousins and uncles, uh, there was one time uh, we all actually did a play called The King and I in the day one DBKL and we sold tickets for about, I think a week. And we got to work with really, really famous actresses like, you know, Susan Lancaster and uh, Ramli. I can't remember what his last name was, but, you know, he was a Botak guy. So that's why he's a king. Uh, it was a stage play. So, you know, we sang a lot. We love singing. We love musicals. You know, we did musicals. So I think like uh, performing arts wasn't really an issue. Like even in school, uh, I formed a band actually. And uh, we, we decided to, you know, perform during like talent time and stuff like right. that. And it was fun. And, and, and I think the, the, the confidence came, I think like together with my cousins, my mom. My mom also used to perform on stage. She used to do Taihei, you know, those uh, Oprah shows and stuff like that. And so, so I kind I kind of feel like it's within the family. All of us can sing, you know. Like, but we're not destined to be like super singers, singers like you know BTS or like Blackpink. You know what I mean? But then, um, when we went to high school, uh, when I went to high school, it was I like I went. I remember. I have probably three encounters of bullying, but at that point, if if, if I want to rewind it back right now. I think I have had three encounters, but I think at that point in time, I didn't realize it because at that point in time, I thought that, yeah, what they said about me is true. So one of them is, I think like there was this girl who kept calling me big butt in school and how fat, because I was very fat. I was a bit like big size in school. Like when I was in center six, I was like wearing, I had to go into the adults department to kind of like buy clothes to like size 34, 40 and, and whatever not. So I was pretty, I was pretty fat. So, you know, I had like girls, you know, you, you, you know, when you're in high school, eh, not high school, like instead of six and everything, you're kind of already exploring. Like, hey, that girl is kind of cute. You know, I kind of like her and stuff like that. But when you like that one kind of girl and then she kind of like, you, you know, I don't like you. And then she starts going around telling people how fat you are and stuff like that. Yes. Then for me, is then you tend to like, yeah, I'm that. And you kind of like single yourself out. I remember once there was uh, there was this boy and 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 he was I think I was standard three or standard four and he was in standard five I think I can't remember standard five I was just at the at the 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 ball I think at the 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 football field just before like heading off to you know there's a bus the bus all parks there I used to study in Street KL by the way and this boy just came up to me and just freaking kicked me in the balls just- uh, for, for no reason. I didn't know what? who I didn't know who the hell he was. Yeah, and he just kicked me in the balls, and it hurt so bad. And it hurt. And I remember. Oh, I can. Oh, now that I'm, I, I, I go back to that. I remember very vividly. No matter how painful it was, I was, and the tears were coming out of my eyes. I was trying really hard to not cry, 
like really, really hard to not yeah. cry because I was so afraid that people are going to laugh at me because I'm crying. The, the, now that I come back, now that I revisit that, it's so funny because nobody laughed at me. <laughs> nobody was even looking actually. Yeah, but you see at that point of time, I remember thinking about that. So that was twice, but uh, hmm, I, I'm not sure if I told my mom about it. Yeah, I, I think yes, I told my mom about it. And then they talked to a teacher and the teacher kind of reprimanded that boy. And then after that, I remember that boy, that boy is a fat kid too. And he was wearing like a bandage on his left leg. Can't remember what his name was. Uh, yeah, but it was a fat ass. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think like when I went, to high, that's why when I went to high school, I thought everything was great because I went to Stella Maris. Beautiful school. Uh, the teachers are lovely. They, they nurture the kids like how they would nurture their own kids. Like they, they, they encourage us to do many things. If they knew that you had a skill set, if they knew that you were talented, they would probably invest in, you know, whatever your talent was. Like, you know, when we knew when they knew that we had a, a team of boys who liked to play drums, guitar and everything, they, they they basically had a classroom full of musical instruments because it was run by a church. So, you know, church right. have a lot of uh, uh, musical instruments. So, you know, we, we, we formed the band, we started performing. And then when, when I joined that school, it was the first year. So it's a very new school, very, very new school. I think the year that I joined was the first time where it went public, opened up, opened the public. Lah. So every classroom had like 20 people. So everybody was like very like, very close knit with each other. Then I think as we progressed to the form two, form, form two, right? Form three, there were more students coming in and some very uh, notorious kids from Chinese schools or very Chinese educated people. I'm not saying that Chinese educated people are bad, but these, these kids who were here, they were Chinese speaking and they were very gangsterish looking. Lah. At that point in time where gangs were the thing in the school, so I think what they were trying to do was they were trying to kind of mark their territory, lah, you know? Oh, I'm from this gang, lah, this number, that number. I want to take over this school and whatever. Uh, whatever. Number of blast. Yeah, kind of yeah, that kind of thing. So what they did was they were actually going around really like out of no, for no apparent reason, like bringing guys one by one uh, up to the auditorium and slapping them and beating them. So I was one of them. Because like, you know, for me, it's like I was... I was a performer. I used to sing in the band. So they, he brought me up and he said, the one guy, he comes and says, hey, I don't like you. You damn like You know, that kind of thing. Then I'm like, oh, okay. Then I thought one guy just stood up and slapped me across the face. And I'm like- In front of everyone? Yeah, in front of the, that, their group there. La. And I was like, oh shit, what the, what the hell just happened? I was like, I was like, I was still in shock at that point of time. I was like, oh, okay, you know? And then uh, he said, don't make me see your face here in this auditorium, you know? Otherwise I'll freaking slap you again, stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the hell, you know? And then it was very like, um, I remember telling my, I, I remember going to call my brother about it. My brother sent my mom, uh, my mom uh, to the school and then they talked to the uh, the dean and the uh, Penolong Kanan guy, right? But the thing is, it's so funny because that didn't solve the problem because yeah, I know that your parents got involved and normally when you have problems like that, when you get your parents involved, everybody be like, hey, mommy's boy, that kind of thing. But I don't think I felt that at the point of time. I was just like, just disappointed because like I wanted revenge. I wanted, I wanted those guys to be slapped back or whacked back, like, you know what I mean? Not, not by me, but by somebody else. Like. So yeah, that's pretty much in the nutshell how we got into it. But like, it may sound like it, may sound like it was just a slap, right? just a slap but because of that the whole group of us that kind of got uh threatened or tormented by these people was so easily manipulated by other people say hey you want protection you know like one guy comes up to us say, you want protection join my gang and then 
he told us that, oh, you all have to pay like 35 bucks or 38 bucks every month. And then it's so stupid. Like now that I look, at, look back at it, it's like, oh, you know, people with the biggest fear or people who are afraid are the easiest people to manipulate, yeah. right? And this guy just comes like, oh, I want you to meet my taiko. And there's like one guy sitting there, whatever now, with a school bag, with his, with his uh, shirt tucked out, spoken Chinese. And I'm like, I don't understand a word of Chinese. So he's like, <laughs> okay, well, he's speaking like very deep, poetic Chinese. Yeah, you know, it's like, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, <laughs> whatever nonsense. And after that, like one guy would say, oh, you know what's in this bag? I'm like, no, it's a gun. All of us like freaked out. But at that time we believed it, but we didn't see it. You know what I mean? Then suddenly out of nowhere, um, uh, they came up to us and say, oh, Taiko liar, Taiko liar, chutsi, chutsi, yeah. You know what I mean? And the big brother got a problem. Apparently he was arrested and he needed bail. And all of us had to find money for him. So I remember like, you know, I had some of my friends, a bunch of friends, one, a few girls, guys uh, who were nice enough to loan me money. I want, okay, so when we realized that we had to pay money to get him out of jail, we were like, hey, we, our money combined together is not enough. Eh. Then straight away we say, okay, I want out of this gang. I don't want. <laughs> yeah. And then he said, okay, you want, you want to quit the gang? You have to pay money. Yeah, it's so stupid. Yeah. yeah. And then it's so, I don't know how, but I think we end up paying about Almost about a thousand plus dollars. It's a lot of money for me. Serious? Yeah, it was a, a lot thousand of money. plus dollars yeah. per person. Yeah, and I remember there's this one girl. I'm not gonna name her, but I I I remember her. Uh, she loaned me money and like without question, is I'm gonna help you. I'm like, wow, thank you. I was so wow. grateful, and I got out of it, and that's where I, I laid low. I stopped performing. I uh, I mixed I mixed uh, you know I mixed around with more a very mellow group. Uh, and you know, study. You know what I mean. The most studious group, and then like you know, I they, they, then after that, the teachers made me a prefect, and I was in the same group. And I kind of, I think I, the teachers kind of knew what I was going through, so they they knew where to put me and to kind of groom me to be better. So yeah, that's kind of like my 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 experience uh, in school. And and for me, it was like, as a kid, you always want to seek validation to be strong and whatever. Not you don't want to be embarrassed in front of everyone. But I kind of feel like if I look back now, uh, like if you're, you feel that something's not right, if you're a victim, you should speak out. There's nothing wrong about speaking yeah. out, you know? Because of you speaking out, you kind of like create a ripple for the, re the others who are so afraid to speak out, to speak out too. That's right. You, you, become, you become the influence of, of change, the influence of, uh, of uh, you know, of that bravery for people who were so afraid to come out and say that, hey, I was bullied and stuff like that, you know? It's 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 such a horrible culture because like the minute you accept that bullying is a culture, right? Then you also will start to kind of like you know sometimes that's right, like you know pull people's underwear, you know and, and stuff like that, and, and you think it's okay, you know, and I think it's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I still recall like I, I think sometimes the thing is that all this now as you look back, it seems so innocent, right? It's like yeah, those yeah, innocent little things. But the truth is that it actually leaves a very huge trauma. Yes, yeah. it does. And, and and even when sometimes you hit about 30 plus, 40 plus, and if you never really dealt with it, you never really face it, uh, something can just creep up to your doorstep and you realize that, oh, I've been behaving like that at work because I never really dealt with those kind of issues, right? I yeah. didn't overcome it. Yeah, I still recall like for myself as well, I, I, I was bullied in school uh, when when I was in standard six, I recall a bunch of uh, girls laughing at me. They say my 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 mouth is very big. Oh, so man. they call me a, they call me a platypus. <laughs> 
and they started calling me a bloody person, all of them. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and because my family was quite poor, so we used to drive a very, very, very old car. So I recall one day this girl actually stood in front of the school gate and she saw my car. Yeah. So I went into my car. The next day, when my mom come pick me up, she brought a bunch of girls to stand in front of the school gate just to laugh at me. Wow. Do you yeah. still remember that girl now? Oh yeah, I still remember her. Oh, I can remember her face. I can remember her name. You see, just like how you can remember that. The guy with the yeah. bandage there, right? Yeah. Because it's so so big a, of a trauma. Yeah, I hope you're watching now. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Money TV freaking freaking killing it. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, that's that's kind of bullying too. So I was like, yeah. yeah. And 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 as I grew older, back in uh back in high school, you know, joining a guys for cool and yeah. like smoking and everything. I'm I'm not sure whether school these days are like that. Yeah, but during our times, like the the paikia, the ones that are cool, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why it's always been perceived as that. Maybe, yeah, maybe they watch the Young and Dangerous. Yeah, and maybe they're ones who get all the girls around them, and then we also want to get girlfriend and stuff like that. Yeah, age, right. And I still recall there's one time that this guy actually just slapped me right in front of everyone in the class. Oh shit! Yeah. So what he would do regularly is that whenever he walked past my seat. He would actually just push my table, push my chair, and everyone thinks that he's some taiko, you know, and everyone just like laughs along with him. And whenever he push my stuff, I'll just laugh, like, you know, Takai fight him, man. I got no nothing, ma, right? Yep. So one day he just slapped me in front of everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do, I just laughed. Oh, wow. I just laughed, go along with it, and like, oh, you, you know, and now I look back, I felt so cheap. Like damn cheap, like, right? Right. Like people slap you, you don't even fight back, you laugh along, and then you just go along with it. Okay. Right? And, and part and parcel also because my dad, my dad has a very weird way of actually thinking about bully. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that time he was already, he already passed away. Yeah. Back then when I was very, very young. Uh, when someone bullied me <laughs> and I went back and tell him, he scolded me. Huh. You know what he said? People bully you, you never fight back. Oh man. You never fight back. No. Why you never fight back? You never fight back the guy. Don't call me your father, you know. Oh, <laughs> In Chinese, right? Yeah. So my father used to be a gangster. So that was the kind of uh, thing that I got. So and I realized that I was too cowardly to fight back. So I just go along. There's nothing. There's, yeah, there's nothing wrong with not fighting back. Yeah, like I tell my kids these days, if anybody comes up to you and says something nasty, you don't fight back. You come and tell me. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So today, as a parent, right? Yeah. How will you advise your kid if, let's say, they go through a similar issue? Uh, if they were basically, uh, you know threatened or somebody made them feel uncomfortable they should tell number one their parents number one their parents but if their parents are not at low, uh, at the part uh, they're not there at the point of time tell your friends and you know if your friends don't support you tell your, tell your teachers but the most importantly you tell your parents you don't fight back you don't try to take matters in your own hand uh because again like i want to be empathetic in a way because we don't know what the bully the, the, the bully is actually going through. That's as right. Well. He could be having a very rough day or she yeah. could be having a rough day as well, yeah. right? Uh, not, not only him, but you know, his, his background and, and, and yeah. whatever not. So you don't, you don't, you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to try and challenge this, this bully's uh, mental well-being or his, uh, his motive and whatever not. You kind of want to understand where this person is coming from. And the best, you know, for, for, for someone to do that is adults, especially when you're kids, right? Tell your parents, uh, don't, Take, don't try to be a hero. There's no point. And even if you have someone, and like if for people who are actually watching it happen, I mean, you guys also need to step up and kind of stop it. What, what's going to happen? Like, you know, that person's gonna, you're scared that person's going to bully you too. If two persons stands up to that person, that fellow, that fellow will definitely chicken out. 
even if he decides to retaliate or slap the rest the 10 of you you know you have 10 person against him now you that bully now knows that he offended 10 people <laughs> oh having said that right yeah but it's very hard to expect other people to stand up. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, recall yeah, so there was one time, right? Uh, so there was a very similar case and someone tried to uh, slap me as well. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know what's wrong with my face. Other people like slap me. <laughs> oh man, Dude, you, you, and I, you and I have kind of like the same like, you know, criteria. Like, yes. so I, I recall, right? Uh, during that time, there was this incident. There were friends around me. And uh, when, he, when he slapped me, I fought back yep. this time. Uh, when I fought back, and he went back and he told his gang, he said that like, uh, he told everyone that I slapped him first. I <laughs> hit him first, you know? Right. And I knew my friend was around me, right? So right. I actually asked them that, can you tell those guys that? And they told me this one thing. They said that, um, no, I don't want to get involved. Yeah, I don't want to get involved, mm -hmm. right? And yeah, so yeah, it really feels terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I can't blame those guys because they were afraid as well. Yeah, right? I think everybody was afraid. I think everybody was growing up uh, uh, back then, I think now it's a bit different. Parents are a little bit more That's right. um, yeah. aware. I think back then, right, we were just our parents were in the era of survival mode, yeah. You know the you know um, they were all taught how to survive. Everything's all about survival. You know, go out work, survive. You know what I mean? And everybody was um, pretty angsty, and you know they expect to be their parents as huh? Yeah, Like you know what you said? It's like it's completely what a lot of people say. Hi, good boy. Wait, never back. Hey, <laughs> you're a boy. You know. Uh. <laughs> Having said that, right, then now, other than dealing with the part of like saying that your kids come and talk to you, right? Yeah. Um, as you know, them going back to school, dealing with the same situation, and yep. you're not going to be around. Yeah. So, how do you think you're going to deal with like those trauma that? I, like for me is I need to be very open to my kids when they go to school, and I need to make sure, make sure that they understand that if they are not happy with anything in school, they come and tell me, and uh, not kind of like. And like for me, it's, it's hmm, how I teach my kids is a bit different. Like when they do something wrong, I don't scold them. I kind of explain. I need them to explain. You don't bring out the cane and cane them straight away. You know, uh, you tell them what's not wrong. They won't understand. Like even if you, you know, if they, if they, they kind of want to play your phone and then they said that, no, I don't want to play your phone. And you said, no, why not? You know, and, and then, and then they, they are smart enough to say like, why are you, daddy, you know, using the phone so much and that kind of thing and why I can't use it. So. I feel that uh, kids these days, you need to kind of educate them. You have so much of resources to educate them. And I, I mean, like, look, there's so many ways for you to show them uh, how they can be open uh, with you, how, how you need to have this really, I feel that you need this big trust uh, with you and your kids. I'm very lucky because I run my own business. So I spend a lot of time with my kids, you know, because we work from home, you know, whenever, uh, and, you know, we try to spend the most time with our kids. So we see them growing up. We, we teach them a lot. Because uh, for me, at a very at a very young age, I was really in school, and my mom was working. You know, she was trying to work like three jobs to kind of make sh make sure that I get through school, right? And uh, yeah, so I I, I kind of like my mom was I I probably yeah I'm close to my mom, but like my mom is like okay I, I don't see you in the morning because she's really she's my mom's a teacher, so that means like six a.m. before six a.m. she's leave to go to school already. Then, you know, by the time I wake up 6.30 to go to school, I'm like, oh, already there lah. There'll be a cup of Milo and there'll be like, uh, yeah, there'll be a cup of Milo with one, the, the, the sauce saucer covering the cup so that, you know, <laughs> it, will still, it will still stay hot. I'm not sure what the logic was, but, you know, every time I drink, it's not cold anymore. <laughs> it's not hot anymore. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, like for me, it's like, I feel parents should be very, very transparent with their kids. They should understand what their kids, kids are consuming they should even if it's bad they you need to explain to them why it's bad like for me there are some cartoons that, are, that i don't agree with on youtube and i'll tell them that 
and, and my, my wife would tell them, oh, you know what, mommy doesn't like this cartoon because it t- teaches you bad things. And then yeah, they will understand. Yeah. 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 Agree, agree. Yeah. I think <clears throat> one thing as well, like uh, I did learn as a parent these days, right? Uh, I kind of, I, I keep telling my wife, one of the things that I'm going to send my kid to do is actually jujitsu. Oh yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna cause so I I uh I don't really practice it these days because right. it gets too busy. Mm-hmm. But I still train once in a while. Right. Yeah. But I realized that uh, having to learn some martial art mm-hmm. kind of teaches them the danger of being able to hurt someone. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh wow! I never thought about. And, I never and, thought about and it. And what happened is that number one, I realized that when they are, they know that they have the ability to. Mm-hmm. And if they are being taught right, yeah. they are actually more controlled as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And number two, when someone comes to them with brute force, like slapping them or whatnot, yep. they know they are ready to defend themselves. Yeah. And they are less afraid. Yeah. Yeah. So because you just can't always be there for them, right? Yeah. But again, I will never know this theory is right or not until yeah, until know, it happens. Just hope that my son won't be an asshole <laughs> and, and, and whack people for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Like even if my, if my kid was a bully, I think I would take him back and say, like, what are you doing? What, yeah. are, we, what are we doing around as a parent? That's right. That's so like right. me and my wife, we say, that, uh, you know, let's not ever exert any anger in front of our kids to show them how or what can be used against other people. That's right. If we That's were to have like any disagreements or any conversations that are a little bit stressful or tension, it will work or whatever or not, let's do it behind. Just do it at the office, you know what I mean? That's not, that's, uh, or, or if we were... You know, like yeah, let's try not to 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 sh- to lead by example uh, mm. in the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> I recall at one point I was bringing my kid to quite a few of my uh, jujitsu sessions, right? Right. Then then he would see me train with uh, other people as well at home. They came to my house to train, and then at one point he thought that those moves were all normal, and oh. he started doing it to his cousin. Oh man! <laughs> I was like, no, Samuel, man. you can only do it when there's a mat. And when the person is wearing that, okay? If you, then, now, that, you now, now that you mentioned that, I used to do it. I used to watch WWE or WWF, what they call yeah. it. Yeah, the rock bottom, right? They used to do that, my friends. Uh, that's you know? right, that's yeah, right. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. So, no, um, I, I think it went a little bit far from I got a lot of questions I want to ask you, but sure. as a parent, that got me really, really interested. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why it went a little bit off. Yeah. But now let's go back to the question of you uh, being a B- DJ and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Now, I was just wondering, those days, because you were bullied before, yeah, right. Uh, did all this past trauma kind of inspire you to prove these people that you're that you know they're wrong? I can be better than this. I can be more confident, you know, and kind of like you know inspire you to become more successful in that sense. Oh, um, no, not really. The bullies were not the main motivation for me to be who I am today. As although, you know, a lot of these stories will always say that, oh, you know, you know, this, like, you know, I was bullied. That's why I want, like, okay, so th- I have a friend. His name is Dennis, Dennis Yin. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Dennis. He took up bodybuilding because he wanted to defend himself with bullies. So you see, see the, the, the bully, the, 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 that, that. Now you don't want to bully him when you see his body. Yeah, that, yeah. that time <laughs> when he was bullied, that triggered him, or not triggered him, that inspired him to basically come out and build himself so he could defend himself. Right. I think, like, for me, it was uh, the bullying, the bullying, uh, number one, kind of, uh, I think the bullying kind of woke me up a little bit to tell me that, okay, if if I don't like how it feels, I shouldn't be doing this type of thing to other people as well. Not only uh, physically, but also uh, literally, like w- with words, you know, and stuff like that. That's that's one. I think like um, the, the the performance, the, the, the entertainment part was, hmm. I felt like growing up, 
my family always wanted me to do some. Okay, they always wanted me to be a pilot because they found out that mm. I was a kid. I love planes, right? So it was that 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 always that constant um, like, oh, you're gonna be a pilot. You know, he buy plane. My mom will continue <laughs> buying planes to me. My uncles will buy planes to me. They'll they'll buy me uh, books of planes and stuff like that. You know, I I love planes. You know, I I love planes so much. When I was staying in Subang, right, any plane that flies by flies by just by the sound, I can basically identify what model it was. Really? Yeah. My God. Whether it was a seven four seven, whether it was a triple seven. Whether it was a uh, seven three seven, whether it was an Airbus, whether it was a, a an engine with the tail, the one with the tail engine, uh, whether it was a Focal Friendship or whether it was yeah everything. Wow! I I I, I was so engrossed. In it. I loved it. You know, I used to play games. There were planes. I land uh, on PlayStation in my friend's house. You know, wow! I land the plane nicely. I'll be very very like you know satisfied and stuff like that. And then you know when I when I tried to apply for for uh, for you know this cadet thing like yes. for Malaysia Airlines, I didn't get any. I was really upset, you know. And 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 I I I guess like when you in your your whole entire life, right? You've really prepared yourself mentally. Like, I want to be a pilot. I'll be a pilot. Then you don't get it. And then you know you kind of don't have a back. You were never taught to have a backup plan, you know. Right. So it was very. I was. It was it's not depressing like It wasn't depressing lah. For me, it was like number one. I can't. I at that point, I thought I was very. Uh, I accepted. I accepted the outcome because number one, I wasn't really great in my studies. So it's like okay lah, you know, if I didn't get the call, it's expected lah because I didn't put enough effort to do my studies. So you know, for me, it's, it's it has. I think I was. I think mature enough to like come to terms with like, yep, I didn't work hard enough to be able to be chosen, uh, to be sponsored into these cadet groups and stuff like that. And then um, after that, they wanted me to study like the, the like a pre U sciences and become air, do aeronautical aeronautical engineering and stuff like that. So I got into that that pre U. I remember it was Canadian CPU, Canadian pre U, and Taylor's. And I after like doing all these sciences subjects and stuff. I hated it. I hated numbers lah, whatever it is lah. I can do maths, <laughs> but you know, like you know, I can count money, you know. But you know, but when you ask me to do all these one abbreviations and this and then blah blah blah, whatever, so algebra, I was like shit, man. <laughs> so I, I kind of like told them I didn't want to do it anymore. And then they they kind of like, okay, what do you want to do? Okay, I do business, I do marketing. La. You know what I mean? They're like, that's that's like the, like they, it, it's like as if like they, they kind of like, uh, they might not just fall back to marketing. La. Marketing confirm you cannot fail. La. Like, if you feel marketing, then you're useless. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they gave me that impression. So, so all the while I was basically, everything was kind of like decided for me. So I went to this course called the Chartered Institute of Marketing, which was the worst course ever because they were really, really bad. Seriously, because like, I, I think that course closed down after, I don't know, four years uh, because the lecturers over there, they were teaching you shortcuts. They were not teaching you, they were teaching you shortcut, shortcut ways to pass. And then I remember we were doing one one exam, right? And then it was 100% failure. Got such thing on You know, 100% failures. 100% yeah, 100% failures, you know, the finals because it, the, pap the papers were marked by... Um, they were marked by uh almost, okay, I would say 99% failures. Uh, they were marked by uh UK or something like that. Um because apparently there was a there was an option for you to either do 50% uh 50% uh what's the word? Assignment and 50% exam. Or you can go hundred percent exam. That kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So that means your 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 end of year final result will be based on 50% assignment and 50% theory. Lah, okay. Right? So if you don't want to do assignment, you can go hundred percent theory. So that's what all of us were ready to do. But this lecturer forgot to submit and tell the institute that all of us want to do 100% <laughs> theory. So in their minds, in the in the, the invigilator's mind, all these people did not submit assignments. So oh fail. Yeah. So wow. that's, that, I remember that was when I took it upon myself and really made my own decision to understand what I want to do. So I want to do pre-U first. 
and I did the pre-university year and I realized that, oh, okay, cool. I kind of like uh, sales and marketing and I enjoyed, uh, I, I remember when we were young, we were performers, so I loved public speaking. And then uh, I, I kind of like, you know, got into marketing and PR. And yeah, I think for the first time I felt really good because uh, also at the time when I was studying in college, I was also side hustling, uh, working with an event company uh, that handled concerts. I remember the first concert that I was brought to go and kind of work and put up posters and like climb up and install the lights and whatever not was uh, Alan Tham and Hacken Lee. Mm-hmm. And I saw him, all of them like, you know, uh, performing and 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 and, uh, and rehearsing on stage, I was like, "Oh wow, that's a Hong Kong celebrity." You know what I mean? And I saw this guy with a huge ass camera with a long lens taking pictures of them. I was like, "Wow, Uncle, how much that camera? Oh, this camera can buy car." Then I saw the pictures of it, and I was like, "Wow, the the the, the pictures was so nice. The lights were like, wow, so vivid. You know, they were you know, all these whatever uh, follow spotlights were all in the background. It looked it looked amazing. That's what got me very interested in the cameras. Right. Yeah, so." Basically, this whole uh, from pilot to choosing your own career, and this is something that motivated you to actually do well. Is that? Yes, it is. Yes, it did. Because um, I think at that point in time, I knew what I was capable of and what I enjoyed uh, studying and what I needed in order to really excel in the subject. I needed a lecturer who would really invest their time in me. And I needed friends who were... I needed a group of friends who were probably studying at the same pace as me uh, so that we, we all can kind of help each other out. So I figured that out when I went to Metropolitan College and, you know, I, I made some really great friends over there and, uh, you know, the lecturers, you know, I look, I even got a high distinction for law, for marketing law. Yeah. And I used to fail accounts in, uh, in, in, in high school. I got a high distinction for accounts. I remember bringing that, sub, that, 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 uh, that uh that result and I went back to to uh to my school. Her name is Miss Lung. Hey Miss Lung, look, I I, I passed accounts. She's like, really or not? You know, because I was the guy that sleeps in class during accounts, right? So, so I was like, yeah, that felt actually that time that point of time really felt really, really great. I felt like I I kind of held. I f- it felt right because I felt like I had control of what I wanted to do. But at the same time, I knew that I I fucked up so bad because like you know I I failed in the in the that that previous university uh, college and and you know it costed my mom a lot of money mom's not my mom's not the person that had a lot of money uh i may I, you know i went yes i may i may have gone to street kl but uh street kl last year one year is three thousand ringgit now it's different you know right the street kl was just open i think like we were like one of the first few pioneering batch mm, uh, mm. students so yeah so i think it felt great and then i think um I remember one time I had to go, at one year I had to go to Perth, Australia and my mom could not afford to send me to Australia. And then like, you know, I didn't know about this, but I think she had to borrow money from her, her sister uh, to send me to, to Australia. And I was like, oh, okay. And that's where I was like, thinking to myself, like, are we really that financially incapable? You know what I mean? Because, you know, parents, no matter how broke they are, right, they would never tell their kids. They would just yes. tell their kids, yeah, we're fine, we're okay. You know, and my mom actually did a good job in making me feel like we lived, we 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 lived a very happy, content life, and uh, and and you know, not until I realized that when I came out to work and realized that my mom was actually earning really little, and that's why I questioned her: How the hell do you, how the hell do you bring up like two kids? <laughs> and my mom was a single parent. I lost my dad when I was one, uh, and. And yeah, like how the hell do you do it? You know? Yeah, and yeah. It's quite amazing, right? How a mom's can yeah. actually do it. So, so you know, I knew that she was doing tuition classes. After she finishes her her, her school, uh, she will give like tuition classes until like seven, eight o'clock. 
And I'm like, wow, that's that's insane. Wow. Yeah. Mm. I also sometimes wonder how, how my mom does it. Yeah. So my, my dad also passed away when, when I was 14. Okay. Yeah. Subsequently, I just remember for a very long period of time, we only had dinner at about nine o'clock. Because she would work until about nine something. Then she come back, she cooks. So it's oh. like nine thirty ten like that, right? Yeah. And and sometimes really, really very amazed that how Yeah, she I remember that my mom would come in and yeah. eat and now she'll go back out. Say, hey, be careful. Be she go out for an hour and then come back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was going out to give <laughs> tuition classes. Then after that, she started giving tuition classes downstairs in my house. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Dang. <laughs> no, having said that, right? Now being now you're all that successful and you know, everything all. Yeah, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that people have about you? Mm, I was born in a silver spoon in my mouth. They thought I was rich to begin with. Uh, a lot of people, but what are the biggest misconceptions? Mm, I don't know, man. I I, I tend to uh, biggest misconception. I, I I at one point at one point in time, I I kind of used to Google myself. <laughs> <laughs> Like when we first started, just to see what people were saying, and I stopped because you know some they there were people who were supporting, but you know, it's always the sometimes when you go through and you have like one or two bad comments, it kind of sticks with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though if, if it's not true, like you know, he's oh this content sucks. You know, you call you call this kind of content. You know, blah 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 blah. And misconceptions. I don't know. Uh, some people might think uh, that I'm really short, but I'm tall. Uh, some people might think uh, that I'm really. I mean, like. Like the, yeah, born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Uh, some people may think, uh, you know, I got a lot of girlfriends, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think I have any very big ish, big encounters with people really being like, you know, uh, thinking I mean, having this big misconception. I think like there's there's one. If there's one, everybody thinks like I'm a very cocky, arrogant. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's the biggest misconception because every time people. Uh, talk tend to talk to me. After that, they'll be like, "Hey, I want to tell you something. Uh, when I first time I met you, I thought you damn arrogant. Uh. I thought you like, why, Mister Know All, think you damn great and stuff like that." <laughs> it's that, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. At first, uh, yeah, that's that's one of one of the big misconceptions. <laughs> yeah, I think um, even even for myself, when I just came into this industry, right? Yeah. <clears throat> then I was just very new, you know. Then I talk to people, different kind of people. Then I start talking about different content creators. So I say, hey, how's how's Junior Boy like as a person? And they say, yeah, I think I heard, uh, he he a bit action man, you know. Then <laughs> uh, after I was thinking, oh, I haven't met him before, so I don't know lah, huh? Yeah. But uh, for for me myself, I think other people also sort of think things I'm like that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, then when you f- first talk to me, yeah. Right. I was like, no, he's not perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> Real good. I, th- <laughs> I I think I think when 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 uh when I got like uh actually initially when I first started uh YouTubing or even hits or whatever not when people come up to me, hey, you know what? Uh, I hear that people say that you're quite like, it kind of affected me a lot because I knew I wasn't. So it's like, then uh, I try really hard to please everyone. You know, like everybody I see, I try to be overly friendly and whatever. No, then I realized that that's, that's not me. You know, I become this like weird person. Like, oh, hi, you know what I mean? Can I help you? <laughs> I'd be, I be overly hospitable. I try so hard to please. Then I came to realize that why am I trying so hard to please everybody but myself? Yeah. Then I, then, then I completely didn't give a shit. So having said this, right, I think this this one is out of my script, you know, and I think that, um, but it's a question worth asking. Yeah. How do you deal with all these negative comments and all the haters? Because being a content creator, right, like you say, yeah. just turn on the comments. Uh, yeah. You've got a bunch of either good comments or bad comments. I myself come to today, right, I, sometimes I don't even bother reading comments anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you have been longer than me in this. Right. Right. You'll probably get 
people saying stuff like, uh, oh, the guy is an idiot. Uh, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. I heard. Uh, or either like, oh, this content uh, like that also considered good. Uh, what kind of idea is this? Yeah, how do you deal with all this? Um, I'm so sorry I have to say this, but you need to go through it to understand it. Really, I'm, tr- I, I'm not lying. Because like, I have... I run a, a talent agency and I work with a lot of talents and they some of them have some go through some some of these problems and I just tell them, Don't worry, you know, don't worry about this, don't worry about but they, they still don't listen. And then I think a few years later they tend to realize that they don't care. You need I'm sorry to say this, like I know that like some people tend to expect an answer because you know they want to kinda like go through it immediately so it doesn't affect them. You need to go through it to understand because the strongest person that could have really bring you out of that mental uh, state of like, you know, validating people is yourself. You are your biggest enemy. You are your biggest validation. Uh, you know, you, 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 you will, you know, whether or not this person says something about you, the only person that would choose to agree or to disagree is yourself. Are you going to allow someone to come and tell you, hey, you're quite like a even when you think that you're not, but you, are you going to agree with the person? If you think that you're not, then yeah, just, just go on thinking that you're not, right? And then like, you can, you can see, you can see that you, can, you, you will be able to see the results. If you are really an arrogant person, then no one's, in the long run, no one's going to be working with you. That's right, that's yeah, right. No one's going to be friends with you. Like for me, it's like, how many friends, like I remember like, when you're young, right, like in high school, they, oh, the more friends I have, the, the, the more validation it means that, oh, I'm a nice guy. Everybody likes me, right? But like when you come to my age, like I hardly hang out with more than like 10 people. <laughs> yeah. Do, do, do you realize that as you grow older, as you actually, in fact, as you do better and better in your business, yeah. you tend to pick your friends even more carefully. Of course, yes. Very, very carefully. Yeah. Who you are five years ago is not who you are today. You change, you grow. Even if you advance or go worse, you are not the same person as you were five years ago. Everybody's different. So everybody should not kind of judge you for who you were five years ago today. And like, uh, yeah, again, back to that answer that you were asking for, like how do you deal with all these hate comments? You need to go through it to understand it because you will be, you will know, you will have that gut feeling to know that, ah, okay, uh, these are the things that don't matter. And after a while, you kind of will kind of like, you know, not think about it anymore. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, for me, I recall when I first time when I put up a YouTube video, right? There was one time I tried doing vlog. So aside from like uh, financial stuff, I tried to put up a vlog. And I remember my second episode. Uh, when I put it up, I forgot to, when I export, I didn't export the sound. Oh. Yeah, so when it went up, I just loaded, I just went to sleep. Cause right. you, you know you know how it was when you first started, you have no team. Yeah. You do from morning to night, right? When everyone think that, wow, YouTube very like you, you think you think like, oh okay, I should be okay, I export, you know? Cause yeah. I cause I exported it. Yeah. Cause cause you're like so tired already, right? The whole day, right? Yeah, then the next day someone left a comment there. Said, this is the worst quality video I've ever seen. How can you not export the sound together? You are you are shit. I will unsubscribe and right. Yeah. And and it affected me quite bad at the start. Oh. Yeah, at the start, it was quite bad. And then um, after a while, I just like, after one day, I just asked myself this question, like, look, if you're going to do this for a long time, you're going to get this more and more. Yeah. You just have to be able to choose what are you going to listen to, what are you going to not. Yeah, yeah. And no matter true. what you do, no matter how you think you are trying to help someone, no matter how good is your content, there will be that 10% who are keyboard warriors yeah. who will just whack you like nobody's business mm-hmm. and 
no matter what you explain, they will never listen. Exactly. And so if you're going to let that drag you down, then you're not suitable for this. So that's what I told myself. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's, um, I wouldn't say that you're not suitable for it. I feel like... Uh, I feel... Uh, when you mentioned that 10% are going to be keyboard warriors, and out of that 10%, I would say like maybe another like 5% are going to make sense. Yeah. They're going to say something that, oh, yeah, okay, this guy's right. But it's great. It's good. At least some, I mean, you know, you, you know what to work towards. You'll be able to, like, but what you mentioned, what you mentioned, you'll be able to choose what you want to listen to and what you don't want to listen to. Yeah. So I feel it's growth. La. At the end of the day, um, people tend to have egos. Everyone has egos, like, especially when they're content creators and they create something that's huge, right? They, they, that flew, that, that became big. There will be some sort of ego attached to it. Be like, that's you know, right. I know, I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? But after a while, you tend to be like, oh, okay, you know what? Actually, I, I, I can't. I can't be the only one. I can't be the only person that knows everything. You know, if it is, then like, why am I not like a billionaire? You know, that's right. Yeah, that's the wrong way to put it, But you know, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if I, I know what you mean, right? Like yeah. at the end of the day, it's kind of like you, you, you gotta be confident. Yet at the same time, you gotta stay humble. Yeah, not only humble, but you you have to like be open to other people giving that's input right. as well. Yeah. Humble as in like the, the part of not just being not arrogant, but but you know your own limitations. Yeah. Right. I I think that that's something that um. It's very, very important for anyone who wants to start a business. That's right. Yeah. Now, uh, having said that, right, uh, in order to wrap this whole thing up for today, being where Genie Boy is and aspect ratio, you know, the past two years was a difficult year and we are actually, in fact, looking at the year ahead, maybe even more difficult, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I think as you're dealing with business, you, you can see <laughs> the yeah. response in the budget market, right? Yeah. Like we ourselves also, we were expecting a great year next year, but by... By just a few months back, we yeah. start to notice the tides are a little bit different. A little bit different. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing too significant, but you can kind of sense it after you are in it for long, right? Yeah. Then, um, what was the transformation for Genie Boy, mm -hmm. uh, Genie Boy TV, and Aspect Ratio? What are you guys doing right now, and how are you going to be dealing with the challenges ahead? Um, so Aspect Ratio Studios is actually an agency that I formed together with my wife uh, because we felt like uh, the business organically grew to something else. So when we started the YouTube channel, people would just come like, oh, I want, a, I, want a, I want a YouTube video on Jenny Boy TV, which is great. You know, we had a long, long reign for almost like nine years of clients coming to us. But then when the pandemic hit, uh, it's not to say that we can't do videos. We still had clients coming up to us. But for me, it was I kind of felt like uh, we were just doing content for the sake of making content. I, 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 and, and I already had like a creative team that kind of runs the content automatically. And I felt like we were just creating content for the sake of creating content. They don't, I mean, I'm not to say that they're not, they're not great content creators. My creative team is amazing. They're even better than I am. You know, they can write short films and, and, and uh, they, they still, I mean, the content still did great. You know, people resonated to the films and stuff. But like for me, it was, I didn't want to have a business that ran on popularity because popularity dies. And when popularity dies, what if I'm not making enough money to kind of like pay my staff? And that's a big responsibility to me. So when we saw, uh, when I saw an opportunity to kind of uh, diversify the business because we, we started uh, influencer marketing about four or five, five, about five years ago with my wife, because my wife used to work in Universal Music. She used to handle all the big stars like Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, you name it. So I said, hey, with your experience, can I start a company uh, where you manage the talents that go on my films? And if they grow a big following, would you be able to sell them to clients or not? 
then she's like, yeah, okay, no problem. So we started with like, you know, people like Josephine, Yap, uh, Arwen Kuma, Brendan Ho. So she was like the mama son, you know, she was taking care of a few talents. And then uh, it's very straightforward. Like, you know, we pitch them the clients or we handle all of their, uh, their campaigns and we take a percentage cut of it. So it's very clear cut commission based. And then um, suddenly when clients came up to me, say, look, uh, I love your talents. You have four of them. They're amazing. But I want like 40. I'm like, uh, do you have? And then my wife was like, uh, no. I'm like, yes, we do. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just say yes. Yeah, I just say yes. Then it's like, oh, she's like, what are you doing? How do I, how, how? so she's like, how the hell do you expect me to handle 40 fellas? Dala, four fellas are like a freaking nightmare. 40, you know, I was like, uh, never mind. We figure that out later. Yeah, so then that's where I realized that influencer marketing was on a rise. And I said that, look, imagine this. If you could get 40 talents, which we could easily get because, you know, we work with so many influencers and pitch them to a client. All we had to do was just earn 100 ringgit from each person. And we got like how much? Uh, 40,000 40, bucks. 40,000, yes. Yeah. Then she's like, oh, yeah. Ho. <laughs> So like, you know, when that happened, so like for us, it's like, okay, cool. You no problem. You know, we, we just, we just did that. And then when we did one, uh, the client came back again and I'm like, oh, and they came back with like, okay, now I want like 80. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. The influencer marketing was going bigger. So that's where I, that, that, that's where we just started hiring people. Uh, my wife was pregnant at the point of time. And you know, I forced her to hire someone. She didn't want to hire. My wife is a type that she wants to do everything on her own one. She's like very okay. OCD. <laughs> From top to bottom, finance, everything she wants to do, right? She got problem when you come to me. So she's the operation person. Yeah. She's the one who makes sure that everything runs. She's operations. And you're the one who comes up with the crazy ideas. Yeah. And daring to try. Like, no, no, I don't I don't even need to come up with the crazy ideas. Like she she is PR, she does P, she is the PR, she is the marketing, she is the servicing, she is the operational, she is the execution, she's everything. So we, we when she got pregnant and she we got gave birth to Kazo, we you know we just like didn't want to hire because like we know yeah it was making money, but to hire one guy to pay him about two five fresh graduate is gonna be cost us about like almost thirty thousand a year, right? And then it's like oh, then she's like, it means we have to do more campaigns, you know, now we only got two, how? You know? So the minute we hired one, then I started kind of like hinting my other clients, say, look, we kind of do this. So we kind of got the ball rolling at about 2018, 2019. But when the pandemic came, uh, you know, production was doing well. Uh, we were doing a lot of films on the channel. And I'm very grateful, uh, you know, for so long. Plus for me, it's like, I kind of felt like the, the channel should dip really after like seven, eight years. Cause you know, everybody, popularity should kind of, kind of plateau down after a while. You know, no, nobody can be like, you know, famous forever. Uh, so it's like for me, it's like I always had that mindset because you know hits used to tell us that it's like you know you can't be in the morning crew forever, you know otherwise you know it will still be Fly Guy and Little Kev, you know, for until today. But you know the morning crew has changed a few times ever since for this for the, for the, for the duration of your lifetime. You've heard like radio DJs change. Why? Because popularity has just kind of plateaued. So uh, came the pandemic uh, when everything was kind of uncertain, productions were all at halt, you cannot shoot anything and whatever not. And that's where I decided to say, like I went to all of my clients and said, look, you guys have money to spend. Uh, instead of spending it on one person like me to give you one video, how about you take the same budget and I give you 40 people to give you 40 different videos that you can repurpose on your platforms to basically market your products. And they said, yes. So they transferred all of their marketing spend into influencer marketing. 
and that's where I started hiring. It's so funny because like this year when I went back to the office for the first time, there were some employees that I've not even met for a year. And that was the first time of me meeting them in person. We only talked face to face. We've talked to them on Zoom, but the cameras are not on because <laughs> like shy, you know, that kind of thing. And we, we just hustled. Like I knew that we were in survival mode. I knew that I was very stressed out because you know uh, sales were declining for production, but we then put focus into the other side and we realized that, oh wow, we came out of this without realizing that we kind of we made it happen. And uh, yeah, and that's where I decided to basically come out and say, look, I don't want to run a company under my name because it's like getting borderline cringy already. I mean, like some people have already said that, you know, I work so hard, you know, like but I work so hard to build the Jitty Boy name, but at the end, it just the credit goes back to me. Some people have say, said that to me. And I'm like, okay, cool. I hear, I hear them. So let's create an agency that people can work in and you know be like, you know, equal. So they are the part of the process of building the agency. So uh, it, it's to be honest, was it like it was a part of the plan, but I didn't expect it to happen so fast. Uh, to be honest, uh, it was a, it was just a great opportunity to transition into a service that people already know us for. Yes, it's Aspect Ratio Studios. Yes, it's basically run by Ginny Boy and his team. So uh, at least in the process of creating that, that company, all the clients already know that, okay, my team is capable of doing this, 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 this. Now that they're an agency, all right, you know, we're not just, we, the justification to their procurement, or we're not going to Ginny Boy just because he's Ginny Boy. We're going to him because he's a company and he's a, he gives a service That's or right. whatever. Not. That's right. So it's a very natural progression. I, I love the progression. I enjoyed it. I think like, you know, uh, the team is amazing. I don't think I would have been able to pull anything off without the team. Uh, I just had the vision, but they had the, you know, they executed it. Um, and I, I felt that my team has taught me how to grow as a, a, a boss because like sometimes as a boss, you tend to keep a lot of things from your employee. Even with what you charge clients, okay, 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 you know, this is PNC, PNC. I cannot, I cannot tell them what we are, whatever not, because if I tell them right, they will then think that, oh, you know, I'm getting paid so little, I might as well come out and do stuff my own. But when you are transparent with your staff, right, they are all basically all in it to basically build the company together with you. And then, you know, when they realize, and when we realize that everything is doing well, then you reward them and they're happy with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think one thing about building a business and the challenges moving ahead, it's also, it's it's a very different demographic that we are managing today, right? Compared yeah. to our parents' time, right? Yeah, it is. Yes, yeah. it is very. I think the newer workforce actually appreciates transparency. Yeah. They appreciate the fact that that you know their effort yeah. and they want people to trust them as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that is something that we actually really put it in our workforce as well. Mm -hmm. We make sure everything is transparent from salary to, to jobs and everything all. Yes. And even like the fact that I just said, oh, we think next year is not going to be a good year. By yeah. now already we tell ourselves, maybe next year not going to be a good year. I, I constantly, I constantly, <laughs> I constantly say this to my team, like, hey, recession is coming or whatever or not. But I think I'm actually really happy that despite the fact that we went through a pandemic for two years, every all of them got a pay raise for two consecutive years. All of them got their bonuses and, and we didn't have to cut down any workforce. We yep. did have some people resign in the process of it because you know they wanted they had a different direction. But you know, it's 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 okay. That's how it's part yep. of parcel. But That's the right. fact that you know they st stuck around made me wonder, like sometimes I tend to doubt myself. I was like, hey, why you stick around? Uh? Like this company is really good to work with, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like you, you tend to yeah, you, you tend to ask that question. I ask that question all the time and I I, I doubt myself. So like uh, like the people like like you know what are the, some of the misconceptions like you know Ginny was very confident he knows what he's doing I sometimes I don't know what I'm doing I doubt myself sometimes sometimes I sometimes I seek validation or not validation advice from my employees you know to ask them hey how uh, what should I do uh? yeah 
I don't know everything. People tend to know that I know everything. All the like, like agencies, number one YouTuber, like you mentioned, top YouTuber stuff. They, they, tend to, they tend to think that I know everything. The, the, the question is, the, the answer to that is I don't. But I know that I'm passionate about making it work. So that's the difference. That's a very good one. I think we got a lot from Ginny Boy today and uh, it's really a beneficial. I learned a lot from you as well. Now, but before we go, just one last one will be, what will be your advice to people who wants to go into a business, whether is it media or whatnot, just as a person, right? What are some advice that you want to give them, whether in terms of uh, finding a partner, whether in terms of uh, getting sales or surviving through this tough time? Um, I think like... Uh when you go into a business, uh, I, I look, I, I can't really speak on behalf of the other industries like F&B because I have never, I have no experience in that. Uh, and this industry, I don't even know what industry I'm in. I guess it's media industry or the social media industry. <laughs> true, true. Some other people ask me, so I'm a bit like, yeah, how to answer. <laughs> yeah, because like, you know, we've been, we've been so, tra- we've always followed the traditional, um, the traditional uh, formula for like almost like 50, 60, 70 years, all of us in social media changed, changes everything in 10 years. It's ridiculous how fast uh, everybody has, has to kind of like adapt to something that they've been so used to for the few, past few decades. So if you're going to run a business, I, this is just me, but you know, it may be different from other people, but you need to basically learn how to make the business succeed and fail on your own first I feel you can get a part you can yes I know some people say that oh you partner up with people uh, based on their expertise so that you partner okay if you don't know how to do finance you partner with a person who do finance if you don't know how to do operations you partner with a person who do operations right so all you become partners I, you know, I have had partners in my businesses before and, you know, there'll always be disagreements. And, you know, when it comes to disagreements, there'll always be money involved. And then, you know, you, you, you will have all these disagreements. But how, uh, how mature are you to basically put aside uh, business and friendship? Sometimes it's really tough to do that. So for me, is I would say don't do business with friends like your best friends because at the end of the day, if you do business with friends, right? Yeah, it'd be great when things are doing well but you know if things are kind of like not doing so well then you start to be it happened you know i've seen it with my friends my own friends you know uh they they do a business together wow so good like, so best friends best of friends doing business together and then all of a sudden like one person kind of you trust everyone because you're friends ma. and one person decided to kind of take advantage you know and then it, yeah and then it, you know so for me it's like this is just me, but you know, it doesn't apply to all businesses because some businesses require really specialized people uh, to work. Uh, and that's where, you know, I leave it to you. You know, if you're gonna start an airline like Tony Fernandez, obviously you can't he can't do it himself and you know, obviously he need like, you know, really specialized people. But if you're gonna start a small business, I feel you need to start small. I feel you need to start small. Like I I'll, like um, I'll give you uh, the social media marketing agency that I started. We started small. It started with my wife, right? She did everything from top to bottom. I assisted. I, I, I just, uh, both of us, I sat down and I advised her how to manage talents, how to charge, what is the media value and whatever not. And as we, as we went, we know there are times where we knew that we charged a little bit too high, but there are times where we knew that we were charging a little bit too low, you know? Um, what do we need to do? We need to, we, we need to gain trust from creators. We need to gain trust from clients. It's not just about the clients. You know, you are the person that both clients and creators need to trust. So you learn about all these type of things, you know? So you know the ins and outs. You, 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 you know uh, what campaigns will work, what campaigns won't work. You know how, uh, what kind of creators to link with brands. And so when you know everything top to bottom, 
the next man. That's just what I think is the best. And there's no rush to exceed. Like some people tend to, like I know a lot of tech companies, they rush to build because they are rushing to sell. You know, they totally agree. Yeah. Oh, uh, funding this and that. Full 200 employees, 300 employees, pull 1 billion valuation. Boom, you know, public listed. Boom, cash out. You know, I'm rich. You know, put it into Luna. Boom, you know. <laughs> <laughs> My 1 million became 10,000 bucks. You know what I mean? So I feel I, if you know what you're doing, if you think that the skill set that you have can be, can turn into a business. I feel start small. There's no rush for you to expand because at the end of the day, don't tell me you want to get rich quick, right? You want something that you want to build to be sustainable for uh, even until you leave the company or even after you're not here. Wouldn't it be great if you kind of like not, if you're not in this world anymore and your business still sustains? I mean, look at Coca-Cola. Look at look at uh, Nike. Look at uh, look at Audemars Piguet. Look at Rolex. Look at uh, all these brands. I, they were started by someone, Right? Like uh, like the the founder of Rolex, I forgot his name, but you know some fancy name. But you know he started off getting parts from different different places to basically build this watch, right? And then yeah, yeah. and resell it as a brand Rolex. Then, you know, he started small and it became what it is today. And it, how long has it been around? I feel about a couple hundred, almost a yeah. hundred years plus. That's right. So start small, and when you when you start small, you you you, you at a point of time there'll come a point of time where you you start small, you do everything on your own, right? You become some sort of like an expert in your own field. That's right. Right. And once you're an expert, then you kind of impart that knowledge to the people you hire. And when you impart the knowledge to the people you hire, they're going to bring value into what they think they could kind of uh, bring value to your business. And this is your job uh, to listen. And, it, and, you know, and it is your job to give them a chance to basically prove to you that it works. If it works, then it's great. So don't, even if you're an expert in your own field, don't think that you, people should run the business like how you should run the business. You should be very open to other expertise coming in to help elevate your business. If that person basically comes to your company and he wants a job with your company, you should be damn happy. You know, it's like, why would this person want to work with your company? Why don't you go and work for, why don't you go and work for like the four, for the four accounting, what's it called again? Whatever. Big the, four. The yeah. big four. Why don't you go and work for Nike? Why don't you go work for Adidas? Why don't you go work for like, you know, Google? They're coming to work for Aspect Ratio Studios, which is a Malaysian-made company. Why do they want to come and work for me? You could have just gone and worked for like, you know, Leo Burnett or whatever or not, or, or even Shopee. It's even cooler there. You get bigger perks. But for someone to choose to work for your company proves that they kind of like something about your company and they kind of stay, they agree with the vision of your company. That's right. So you need to always understand that. Yeah. Mm. So now you know why Genie Boy is able to sustain his business as one of the top YouTubers until today. Oh man. There are a lot of YouTubers that are bigger than me now. A, a lot of people think that the YouTube business is very easy or it's just a YouTuber, but actually it goes way beyond that, right? At the end of the day, it's a business, right? And you got to be able to learn to run it like a business. And today we've learned a lot from you and I personally at least has learned a lot from you. Yeah, you have so many years as a senior than me in this industry. Yeah. And it's just really amazing. Oh, I, I wish you. I can actually continue to but <laughs> I can see my staff telling me, hey, wait, time's up, time's up. More so than you freaking <laughs> wrap it up. You think airtime is cheap? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Thank you very much guys uh, for joining us today and thank you very much Jeannie. Now if you have any question you can email us or either reach out to us in our Instagram or either our YouTube and Facebook. Now, if you love to see Genie Ball again, 
do send us a DM so that I can convince him to come again. Yeah, you have you have like like your comments. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Please do not bring him back again. He talks so much about himself. He's so freaking annoying. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure that's not gonna be the case, lah. <laughs> <laughs> thank right. you. Thank you very much, guys. See you.